Hi, everyone. Yes, you've got me. That's fantastic. Yeah, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Now, my biggest challenge today, I have been told, (laughs) is I'm not allowed to move from outside the zone of this piece of perspex. It's just going to be a disaster, folks. So if I disappear off the side of the screen, doesn't matter. You'll hear me. I've got this thing on. You'll hear me. So, Okay, let's, let's just pray. Let, I asked, first of all, I asked Amanda if we could sing that song, and I did not know about Val's testimony. It just fits so fantastically. So let's now pray. Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you and give we glory today. You are wonderful, and God you're so good. I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. So if we could just have that first slide up, please, for the PowerPoint. And... uh, Be fully present, be fully there. So we're going to be in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Now, just just a little bit of back history. Before Christmas, um, I don't know, November time, October to November, I was following some discussions about Mark's Gospel on YouTube. Absolutely brilliant, really touched me. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a study of Mark's Gospel. And I'm going to read it really, really slowly. And I got out loud... And I got through to chapter 5. I have completed Mark's Gospel. I got through to chapter 5, and I just started crying. God touched me so much. And he just gave me this word, and I just wrote it down, and I've just been hanging on to it. So here it is today. Be fully present. Be fully there. So now I'm going to read to you. I'm just going to pull it up. I think if we get the next screen up. No, I'll read it from there. That's absolutely fine. That's fine. So you've got some main players in this story. You've got Jairus, the synagogue ruler. We've got the unnamed woman. We've got Jesus. We've got the crowd. We've got the disciples. Yes, we've got a little girl that is healed a bit further on down the line. But we've also got ourselves, and we are the audience in this story. And we are looking on at Jesus, and we are looking on at the crowd and all these players. Now, imagine yourself, please at the edge of this crowd, and you're looking in. You've got your glasses on, your 2000 and... Now, where are we? 2021 glasses. Yes, I'm a year behind. You've got your modern glasses on, and you're looking in at the edges of this crowd, and you're having a look at Jesus and all of these people. And you will get, within your own mind, some parallels for the life that we're living today. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, this guy's important, he makes sure that everything is done correctly in the synagogue. He came and he went, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. 
A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, actually it's a bit more demanded than asked in the Greek, it's much more powerful than that. Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, fell, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. We're going to go through to the end of the story. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people, crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha koum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they, complete, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So there we go. That's the story. And we've got some main players. Let's just go to Jairus straight away. He's the highest in society. He is a synagogue ruler. Yes, he makes sure that everything is done correctly in the synagogue. But he was already there at the lakeside. He is that desperate. This important man bowed down, pleading, come now, my daughter is ill, place your hands on her. Now, this is really public. He's a synagogue ruler, and you know what the religious authorities thought of Jesus, but this guy has come, and he is desperate. He's probably gone against the advice of some of his friends at the synagogue. So public in front of the crowd. His religious veneer is melting. Jesus set off with Jairus, with the crowd following. We'll do a bit about the crowd in a minute. My hands went over there. There we go. 
have started. Next bit, let's go to the unnamed. Now, I'm going to call her the yet-to-be-named woman. Okay, she was bleeding. And I need to just tell you right now, that means she's unclean according to Jewish law. According to Jewish ritual, she is unclean. Simple as that, folks. Not only that, she's a woman. So she's down at the very bottom of the heap in Jewish law, society. She's ritually unclean. She spent all her money on cures and got nowhere. She is desperate. I mean, why on earth would anybody spend time with her? In her mind, she says, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, his clothes, his cloak, I'll be healed. She was in the mix of the crowd, so public. She's pressed, she's pushed. This is what crowds do. Buffeted, but she's determined. Her hand reaches out, and instantly the bleeding stopped. By the way, her touch would have rendered Jesus unclean. That's what they would have said. You're unclean now, Jesus. You've just touched a woman who's bleeding. Just touched a leper. Just touched a prostitute, just touched a tax collector, just touched a sinner. You're unclean, Jesus. Then there's the crowd, and in the Greek it's the oklos, which means the rabble, the mob. They're politically motivated, they're sensational, they're saying, oh, what can we see Jesus do next? I'm quite sure some of the crowd are touched by Jesus, but they turn up all over the Gospels. Just look out for the crowd. They're always there. They're quite big, and they follow Jesus. They cause trouble for the authorities because they're too loud, they're too noisy, and today the police would be called to disperse them. That is what they are like. Can you imagine in the walks? Can you imagine outside Parliament? We've all seen it on the television in America, Washington. We've all seen it. The crowd, the oklos. Now, the same word is used as Jesus is before Pilate. And he asks, what shall I do with the one you call king of the Jews? And the crowd cry, crucify him. There is an urgency in the situation with the crowd. They turn on tuppence. They just turn. Whatever is the thinking of the day, they turn. Politically motivated, easily stirred up, living off sensational events. In the middle of all this is Jesus, and he is full of compassion, love, kindness, and he is tender-hearted. Jesus takes his time, he stops, he turns, he looks, he waits, and he listens. He is fully present and fully there in this situation. And of course they're saying, why stop for this woman? Come on, come on, come on. The important man's daughter needs you. But no, he stops and he turns and he waits and he listens. And very publicly, he says, who touches me? And she needs to come and say. She can't go unnoticed in front of all of this crowd. She says, I touched you, Jesus. I've been bleeding for 12 years. I've touched you. And now the bleeding has stopped, Jesus. I'm healed. 
He turns, he's given her his full attention. This unnamed woman is given a name. She's now a daughter. She's named by Jesus, daughter. This is so beautiful. Her life of suffering ended. Her new life was beginning. She was restored. Those who look to him are radiant. I'd just like this verse to come up, please, on slide seven. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. She was radiant. Recognition, acceptance, restoration, and belonging. Now there's you and me, and we're in this crowd, and we're looking on. And he's speaking, Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us. Daughter, son, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole. I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favoured. This lady was now highly favoured by the King of Kings. Filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. God, you're so good. This is a kingdom moment right in the middle of this crowd. Jesus is fully present. He's fully there giving his full attention to the woman. In the Gospels, he does this over and over again. Zacchaeus, Mary Magdalene, the Samaritan woman, eating with sinners and tax collectors, the unclean, the despised, the rejected. A woman of ill repute comes in and anoints him. I can never read that anointing at Bethany without crying my eyes out at the beauty of this woman who has come in and bends down and anoints Jesus. Frequently, you see this in the Gospels, full of compassion. Jesus came to do the exact opposite to what the crowd wanted, the push, the clamor of the crowd, the oppression of the religious groups, the demands of society, totally the opposite. To break men's expectations and show men and women a better way, Jesus treats us the same, female, male, High or low, not that we see society like that now, but they certainly did. Greek, Hebrew, he treats us all the same. Justice, mercy, forgiveness, redemption, acceptance, joy and peace, and living hope in Christ Jesus, all for us. Now, Jesus has only one remit while he's on earth. And it's to be about his father's business, to display his father's heart to the world, to be salt and light in a very, very dark world, to show love, compassion, and kindness. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence. Jesus was fully present there, fully there. And he wants that from us, to walk in his light, fully, fully present with Jesus. Jesus wants to be with each and every one of us. Now, the message today is 
right in the center of this next slide, a very, very famous verse. I'm just going to go to the second bit. I just wanted the first bit so you get it in context. Second bit, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. He was not giving to that lady, to Jairus, to the daughter. He wasn't going to give what the world give. He wasn't going to do what the crowd wanted. He's not like that for us. He won't give us what the world gives. He gives the exact opposite, love, compassion, kindness. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He spent time with his father. Jesus went away with his father to solitary places. Why? So he could hear his father's heart. So he could breathe with his father in prayer. So he was able to meet situations full, full of the Holy Spirit. To breathe with the father literally means to conspire, to breathe with the father. And whatever you're living through right now, we prayed earlier, Amanda gave a word earlier. Whatever you're praying through right now, your heavenly father knows. Tell him, talk to him in prayer. Breathe with the Lord in your situation and watch him work. Breathe deeply with Jesus. All that belongs, I think we heard this last week, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. We get a place in this relationship. Heavenly Father, Jesus our Savior, Holy Spirit our helper, and us. What? That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine. This is Jesus speaking. He will take from what is mine and will make it known to me and to you. And that is done in prayer. That is done in conspiring. That is done in being with Jesus. So now we get to the house. I'm going to scoot along really quickly. Now we get to the house. He's still waiting for Jesus to come. It's too late. Don't bother the master anymore. Their human eyes have said, it's too late. Their human eyes, Amanda spoke earlier about this, your human eyes see something in a situation. It's too late, it's too late. No, it's not too late. Jesus ignores them. It's never too late for Jesus to touch you. He says, come to you. He knows you and he wants to be with you. Don't be afraid. Only believe, he says to Jairus. So they go into the house. And the noise, the distractions are horrible. Absolutely horrible. Outside, the crowd is pushing, wanting to come in. They want the sensation of what's he going to do now? He chucks them all out. He chucks all the wailers, the noise, the distraction, and peace descends. All his attention goes on the little girl. He wants to bring order into chaos. Jesus 
is about bringing order from chaos. He touches the child, the child rises, and the house is full of amazement and joy. Peace descends into a very, very horrible, chaotic situation. So let's just go back over to finish. I would like you to think about the people you've seen in this story. You've been on the edge of the crowd. I want you to think about who you've seen. And who do you identify with? Do you identify with Jairus, the ruler? He's brought to his knees in desperation. Is it time to humble yourself again? Put yourself aside and come to Jesus. The woman in the crowd is in desperate need for healing. She is brought to her knees too. Society's called her unclean, yet Jesus lifts her up. And she is called a daughter of the King of Kings. She is utterly changed. Do you need to reach out and say, Jesus, help me, heal me? The crowd. Are you caught up in the demands of the crowd today? The world's thinking, its mold, its pattern, is it forcing you, pushing you? Are you having your time stolen by the crowd? By the demands of social media? By the demands of life? Jesus refused, utterly refused, to let the world push and shove him where he was not to be. I'm sure some of the crowd were utterly changed too. Both Jairus and the woman bowed down to Jesus, and it's exactly the same for us. There is no other way. Go to a quiet place, be by yourself, and bow down. Be fully present, be fully there with Jesus, because he wants to be fully present and fully there with you. Chuck out the distractions, kick them out, set aside, push the door shut, and simply stop. Jesus had to do it frequently. It's the same for us. So let's follow his pattern. And the last slide, please. Wait in his presence. And his peace and his calm will descend. Have you got the scripture, please, that's Romans 12? Thank you. It's never too late for Jesus to touch you, and he wants to be with you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't let the crowd push you but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Spend time with Jesus. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be fully present with Jesus. And the last slide has a most beautiful scripture at the bottom. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. God, you're so good. 
And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy, compassion, kindness, empathy, and to walk humbly with your God? Let's pray. (laughs) Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you stopped in that crowd and gave your full attention to those people. Your heart, your compassion, your love went to them. And that is exactly what you do to us. Your love, your compassion comes out to us. Lord Jesus, help us by your Holy Spirit to stop and to be fully present with you in times of quietness, to commune, conspire with you, Lord Jesus, to breathe with you in order that we can be touched, made whole, restored, refreshed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.